she was willing to put her life on the line. But before she did that, she went into a season of fasting. Do you need a spiritual spark? Are you feeling run down or run over? Are you ready to eliminate the spiritual ups and downs? This is Fresh Faith in Real Life. Let's restore life in your walk with Christ. We'll dive into our featured guest interviews, biblical devotional thoughts, answers to your questions, and more. Your walk with Christ isn't meant to be a performance. It's all about relationship. Let's get to know Jesus and experience fresh faith in real life. Here's John Fugler. Welcome to episode number 15. In this episode, how to grow in Christ fast. A non-scientific survey on favorite foods. And by the way, what's yours? Some thoughts on living in the freedom of forgiveness. How one listener uses golf to help him follow Christ. The challenges and benefits of fasting and how fasting can change your relationship with Jesus. This is Fresh Faith in Real Life, a ministry of Fresh Faith 24-7. I'm John Fugler on the exit ramp of the Performance Christianity Highway. I'm an author and a devotional series writer of Your Life with God. A husband, a father, and grandfather of eight, and most importantly, I want to know Jesus more each day. Paul said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. We've had some action-packed episodes in the past. Just recently, last week, episode number 14, The Power of Your Story. Oh, you got to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And I think you'll glean something from that and realize that, hey, the story that God is writing in your life can have an impact on others as well. Uh, when God Gets Our Attention, that's a good one. Episode number 12, I talked with an author there, and uh, Parker J. Cole shared about how God got her attention and what she did, and you know, God does get our attention from time to time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. How about Goodbye Stress, Hello Renewal with Dr. Peggy Banks, episode number nine, and go way back to episode number four. That was last year. Well, it was December. Clinging to Jesus in Personal Crisis. You'll hear from Larry Walters on that one, Clinging to Jesus in Personal Crisis. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, and every Wednesday it'll pop up on your podcast app, and you'll get something fresh every week. Well, I've got a confession to make. I've been watching the Food Network while I work out. <laughs> Why would I do that? Well, it's because the treadmill that I use is right in front of the TV that always has the Food Network on it. You say, John, well, why don't you trade, change treadmills? I guess I could, but anyway, I watch it. It always seems like the show that's on, the time I do my workout, they're always making dessert. There's a competition for desserts. Maybe I just shouldn't do this anymore. I should just stop working out. No, no, I should stop watching the Food Network while I work out. Oh, well, anyway, hey, I took a survey on Facebook for this this episode, and it was all about favorite foods. I'm in a couple of Facebook groups, and I asked, "What are your favorite foods?" And I have a I have to admit, I'm a sucker for baked goods. Noonie and I have the same birthday, which is today, the day this episode releases. Yes, we do, one year apart. And I love cake, so today I'm all in. Cake, it is. 
Our small group the other night, they they had a birthday party for us. They threw a surprise party. They, they brought us a cake. Nuni bought an ice cream cake too. So baked goods, yeah, I love them. And um, I was glad to see through this survey that there were others that had the same weaknesses. Here are some of the responses I got. And mind you, one of the groups I asked was uh, Christian authors and writers. And some of these responses are so descriptive, so mouth-watering, like Brandy when she said, I'm a Texas country girl, so my favorite meal is chicken fried venison backstrap steak. I've never had that. Buttery mashed potatoes with homemade gravy and pot of fresh mustard greens seasoned with bacon and peach cobbler for dessert. But if I had to pick one type of food to eat for the rest of my life, I would have to go with seafood. We lived on the water and my father was a fisherman. Seafood is so versatile and there's so many different varieties and you can eat it so many different ways. I love it. Uh, thank you, Brandy, for describing that. You've made us all hungry. Uh, Jennifer said, anything Italian, but I, if I have to choose, pasta. Vicky said, Indian and Chinese, also seafood. Uh, Lisa said it's tough because she just said food <laughs> food <laughs> for a snack movie theater popcorn or chips and salsa that's Nuni's favorite chips and salsa Iola said anything I don't have to cook love it Janet said lamb here's one dark chocolate dark chocolate Sarah likes dark chocolate some others here how about uh Sue said popcorn ice cream shrimp steak salmon and chocolate coconut cream pie yes we had uh, avocados, uh, fish. There are lots of pizzas. Lots of people said pizza. That seems like that is by far was the favorite one. Southern comfort food. I mean, I had like 30 or 40 responses here. I'm not going to read them all. How about this for uh, contrasting? This came from Mary. She said salads and chocolate. I say that's a well-balanced meal. Uh, she's, yeah, I love that. Uh, Mary, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all with you on that one. They, they cancel out each other, don't they? Uh, Edward said, right now, hoagies. And there was blueberries. Uh, now, here's one interesting. Barbara said blueberries because she says this. She says, I think it kept my hair from turning gray and my skin from wrinkling. I almost never get sick. And uh, so she says, hey, blueberries, let's go for it. So those are some of the responses. A salmon, roast dinner, again, pizza, pizza, pizza. That was that was common. So, I mean, what are yours? How about you? What are your favorite foods? You can go ahead and tweet me at John Fugler or send me an email, john at freshfaith247.com and, and let me know. Now that I've got you all worked up about food, let me introduce this week's topic, prayer and fasting. Isn't that cruel? <sighs> Hold on, hold on. It all ends well. Stay with me. Our guest is going to put it all in perspective from his personal experience. But first, let me uh, give you our free offer today. I've got a recipe book for you. No, not really. Yeah, I, I should though, right? <laughs> You're ready for that. Um, but it, it's about food uh, and it's about spiritual food. And I've talked about this before. It's the 21-day Fresh Faith Experience. Do you have that yet? Uh, there is a recipe of sorts for every day for 21 days for your spiritual nourishment. I cover topics like this, uh, joy, rest, courage, encouragement. That's our theme this month, by the way, at Fresh Faith 24-7. I cover prayer, uh, identities of Jesus, and faith, 
21 days. It'll it'll help you jumpstart your quiet time. That's what you should use it for. This gives you something to dig into, a starting point, and you can download it free at freshfaith247.com. You click on 21 day or just click just click the link. Just click the link in the show notes, folks. Yep, that's the way you do it. <laughs> and you get yourself your 21-day Fresh Faith experience. I want to share a few things as we get ready to hear from this week's guest about freedom. About freedom. Uh, Fresh Faith 24-7, all about uh, helping you achieve freedom in your walk with Christ. As I share these words... Um, I, I look back to when I managed a Christian radio station several years ago, and I had a chance to visit a prison where some of the most notorious criminals were incarcerated. Uh, the station had become a favorite of many of the Christian inmates. In fact, one of them wrote to us and said, it's the talk of the yard. <laughs> that had us all laughing in the, the station, but we realized the impact that we had there. Uh, and I had a chance to visit I, I sat through a rousing chapel service in the prison. I had a chance to share my testimony, which was nowhere as near as dramatic as theirs. Many of these men faced a future behind bars for life. However, what struck me was their intense joy in experiencing Christ's forgiveness. No matter what their crime, they were free in God's eyes. And just like these men, God's forgiveness should ignite in us that same energized joy and gratitude. Christ's death on the cross has given us the amazing gift of forgiveness for any and every sin we've committed. Jesus has freed us from the penalty of sin. Let's, let's have an amen to that, right? Forgiveness is the key that opens the prison door. Living in freedom of forgiveness is something that many believers struggle with, though. We know we're forgiven, but we don't feel like it. We're still carrying around the weight of guilt. It saps our joy, and the Christian life isn't fresh like it should be. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because the, the full freedom of forgiveness isn't just a state of being. It's a state of living. The loving forgiveness of God should lead us to turn away from sin that plagues us. And when we don't turn from our sin, we're missing out on the point of forgiveness. Paul said it this way, Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. That's from Romans 6, 1 and 2. In other words, since God has already forgiven me, aren't I free to live the way I want to, even though I know it's not right? By no means. (laughs) Your forgiven state of being exists because of the work Jesus did on the cross. What an awesome, encouraging reality. But your forgiven state of living is like diving into the deep end of the pool on a hot day. You're fully immersed in the refreshment of that cool, reviving water. Living in forgiveness means consistently turning from self to God. And there's a word for that. It's the R word, repentance. And it's one of the most freeing experiences we can know. That's what those inmates knew. They knew that. Instead of walking into the tight grip of sin, run away from it into the loving arms of Jesus. Living in the freedom of forgiveness means taking courageous next steps. These brave actions can finally release you from the chains of guilt that keep you from enjoying a forgiven life. I'm talking about, oh, restitution. 
Uh, is there something you need to do to restore a relationship? It might range from asking forgiveness to repaying a debt or compensating for damages. And now might be the time to have a heart-to-heart with Jesus about this thing called forgiveness and living in forgiveness. If you want to experience the full freedom of forgiveness, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And if you have to, go to others to keep the slate clean and to keep your conscience clean as well. I can't think of anything more encouraging than living in total freedom before God and others. Total freedom. Now, in this episode, we're dealing with something that may help in this whole area of living in the freedom of forgiveness. As I mentioned, we're talking about fasting and prayer. And it has an effect on our lives, as we're going to find out from our guest, powerful effect on our life, and it could go deep into our lives. And so today's topic of, of fasting and prayer. My guest is Tim Epling. He's an entrepreneur, a pioneer, a family man. He loves the Lord. He's a pastor, too, and someone who practices prayer and fasting on a regular basis. And I asked him to come on to the podcast because I need help in this area. So you can sit in with me, okay? <laughs> Thought a lot of listeners might need help, too. But as I heard Tim's story, and we talked to each other over uh, some really good food, by the way, <laughs> he started to share about his journey. And I said, Tim, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Let's go deep into this topic of fasting and prayer, not from an intellectual standpoint, but something from experiential, because you're doing it. I want to find out more. So the questions I asked Tim were ones that I wanted answers to, and so we dug deep. So let's go to that interview with Tim Epling. Tim, we've been trying to do this interview for a month and have to reschedule. Um, Things came up, last minute things. And now here we are. All I'm saying is it must be something we're supposed to talk about because I've sensed the spiritual warfare. Haven't you? (laughs) Uh, I really have. I'm super excited to be here with you, John, uh, and talk about this subject. It's not something that comes up too often. But yeah, and I would say that uh, we have been inhibited uh, supernaturally from getting together. So I trust this is going to be a blessing not only to you and to me, but to many others. Well, uh, Tim, we uh, met once at Panera Bread. And over food, of course. Yeah. And we were, we were well behaved with the food. You know, I had oatmeal, you had uh, something healthy as well. But then as we stood at the counter, we saw this huge pastry dish. Remember that? And we were like, we were like drooling over it. And uh, I think we both decided pastry was one of our favorite foods at that time. I know it is for me. And I got to ask you, because I've been asking uh, people, and we had this this survey that I did on Facebook, uh, what's your favorite food besides pastry? <laughs> well, even though uh, I was raised a good old rural country boy uh, from West Virginia, uh, I love sushi, believe it or not. Uh, so my daughter and I frequent that, our uh, adult daughter, and it has to be my favorite for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, you're that's good. That balances out that big piece of pastry. We're going to have to go back to Panera and meet again and have some of that. Anyway, I am so glad to have you here with us. I've been waiting a while to do this, and I just trust God will will just do great things here as, as we meet together. You're a pastor, but you, always, you haven't always been. I 
I said at the outset that you're an entrepreneur, you're a pioneer, and you're you're a man of who's involved in the community, and um, but you are a man of prayer. And how has that been a part of your life over the last say decades or years? I would say, John, it probably started in my childhood. Uh, my mother and father were both individuals of prayer. My father was a bivocational pastor. My mother worked at what we called uh, a sweater factory or a textile mill there in rural West Virginia. And prayer was a big deal to them. Uh, My father uh, spoke on the weekends. He was a carpenter during the week. He spoke on the weekends at those little small churches that I assume dot every countryside in rural America. And I always was enamored by the way that he prayed and the sense or the feel that I got when I was around him and some other men and women in my young years, uh, the way they prayed and the way that God seemed to manifest himself, whether it was through circumstances, uh, it could have been even a sense or a feel. So my father would, he had a little altar, what I would call an altar. It was just a tree that was fallen. We owned 50 acres in West Virginia. And he would go up and study and pray there. And once in a while, I would sneak up behind him. You know how boys are, right? Mm -hmm. Sneak up behind him, and he would have his Bible open. He would be on the ground, face in the ground, praying, asking God to do things as he spoke that were supernatural, that he himself couldn't do. He might be able to put together a good message, memorize a lot of scriptures, have good points and ideas in the sermon. Um, but only God can change the heart. And that would be a part of the way that, you know, dad cried out. Mom was more people oriented. She would pray for people that were hurting and in pain. And then when she, she would go act on those prayers and help people. So you so did model prayer for you. Yes. That's the way I was raised. Um, so consequently I've always felt like there was something more to prayer than just communication. Well, I believe that's the primary, a primary component. Uh, there's a connection that I make with the Lord, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, with the Father. There's a connection that I make in communing with them um, that is it's special, and it's usually through the medium of prayer. Mm. So I can just picture your dad by that the tree stump. And do you have your quote-unquote tree stump that you go to? I just, uh, I've had different places in the house throughout the past few years. Right now, I just finished a man cave in my backyard. (laughs) I don't have a special chair in there yet, but for sure, that porch inside the man cave is going to be a place already started having men over, uh, starting prayer there. Uh, Actually, hopefully in a couple Tuesdays, a few Waverina men's prayer group um, uh, for the, for the town. And we're talking to Tim in uh, Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, for those who are wondering, Fuquay, Verena, what, what is that outside Raleigh, Durham, about 30, about 30 minutes outside, uh, maybe 40 minutes now, the traffic has gotten a lot worse. <laughs> Traffic's tough. Traffic's yeah. tough. But uh, so prayer, you, your dad modeled it, your, your mother modeled it. And, you know, I can just see you watching your dad. Yeah. I guess I think of osmosis. That's not the way it happened, but what kind of. What did it do to you uh, that affected you where you are, where you are now in this journey of prayer? Some things I think are caught and some things are taught. 
and I, I believe I caught this, probably the most profound, even though what I walked up in, in, in my father's most profound, but probably the senior year of high school, uh, my mother uh, ended up with cancer as well. I was going into my senior year, the fall of uh, 1976. Uh, she deteriorated significantly. I went in, I would go in and visit her once she went actually into the hospital and we sort of knew she wasn't coming home. Went into the hospital and I would go to school until noon. I was senior in high school. I would work for my brothers who owned a masonry company. Then I'd go visit my mom, uh, go back to the house and start all that over again. So a couple of weeks before um, mom passed, I went in and just the you know, normal conversation, she was deteriorating significantly, but she told me, she said, she called me Timmy. She said, Timmy, I've prayed for three years that the Lord would send you to a Christian university. And, you know, I'm an 18-year-old boy in high school. I'm like, Mom, I don't even know what a Christian university is. This is rural West Virginia. I've been accepted in WVU, West Virginia University, in two different programs. And so that's where I'm going to school. And so anyway, I left. Come back a week later, actually in between, but a week later, we had basically the same conversation. And she said, you know, Timmy, I've prayed for you for three years. And I said, I know, Mom, we talked about this last time. And she said, no, you don't understand. She said, I told the Lord that I would pay any price for you to go to a Christian school, university. And mom passed away one week later. Hmm. That August, I was in Tennessee Temple or Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a city I'd never been in, and enrolled in a university I'd never heard of, Tennessee Temple University. That was how long after that? After uh, that was May, May to August, three months. Oh my gosh. My gosh. Uh, so yeah. God did something supernatural to answer those prayers. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. So how'd that affect you? you back to your prayer life. What did that, you know, um, prayer is real. Uh, prayer is important. Uh, prayer takes time. It takes hard work. Uh, for instance, uh, I've been in Fuqua Varia now 10 years. Uh, one of the first individuals I met there, I'll not use his name here, but he's become a very, very good friend. He's probably half my age. And um, he is very successful businessman locally. I've been praying for him to know the Lord for 10 years. 10 years. Um, that's something that takes time. And literally, we text today right before we got on um, to do the podcast. So I think time, things just don't happen in my time frame. Mm -hmm. I ask God to do something or I want him to do something. But some things you actually get to say, I don't know whether I'll see this man come to know the Lord or not. I really, really hope I do. My wife and I prayed, obviously, for decades for our daughter to find just an amazing man to marry, and she did. Um, sometimes the Lord doesn't answer my prayers the way that I want him to, John. Um, uh, and sometimes he does. And sometimes I don't know and may never know on this side of eternity. Because my mother on the other side of eternity, did she know or does she know? You know, that's a different podcast, right? Um, but her prayers, I believe, and my dad's prayer set the tone. Her prayer of faith really changed my life. Let me have you put your pastor's hat on here. I'm going to switch over and talk a little bit about fasting. 
And uh, that's the dreaded word of, of most believers fasting. Oh no, I know I'm supposed yeah. to do it, but <laughs> um, I don't, we're not here to put a guilt trip on people. So it, it, as a listener, as a viewer right now, we're not here to put a, a guilt trip on you, but um, let's just ask you, Tim, what is fasting? Uh, you know, I, I wrote something down and I've changed it over the past few years. Here's the way I'll say it, John. It's having my common needs sustained supernaturally. Having my common needs sustained supernaturally. Um, you know, God created us to eat and to drink, and that's the way we fuel the body. That's a common need. Um, when I go X days or X meals, uh, that's something that I need supernatural help with. I need sustained in a supernatural way because I'm asking God to do something that he has ordained something, another way for it to be done. So that's sort of my just little definition. You know, I didn't pick that from a Bible verse, but I picked it from concepts I believe in from the Bible. I really like what you said there because it's, it involves that relationship with God that it's, it's you and he together. It's not you trying to prove something to God, but you're asking for him to sustain you during this time that you'd rather be having that big pastry at Panera. <laughs> well, there's a difference between personal discipline. You just doing something because you can, or you will yourself to do it and asking God to be in partnership with you. That's what I'm trying to do. I've done it the other way. It's, you know, but it's more of a pride issue when I do it that way versus a humility issue. When I ask God, it's like, I really need your help here. It's funny because this morning I'm in my quiet time, I'm studying the book of Mark and believe it or not, the passage I was on was about, uh, John's, um, disciples and Jesus disciples and the Pharisees were, upset because Jesus' disciples weren't fasting, and they're asking the question, you know, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? And so I spent the next, you know, several minutes doing some research that I guess was in preparation for this about fasting. So God had me there this morning about this topic, but I, I thought about Jesus uh, in, in the wilderness for 40 days, yeah, and he fasted. Uh, and then in the commentaries, they related that to Moses, 40 days of fasting, when he was with God, writing the Ten Commandments on the tablets. And you're talking about that partnership with God, and you're doing something together. Well, it was Moses with God. They were, they were working on these Ten Commandments and chiseling those out, and it was 40 days. Moses was up there, no eating. I don't know if it was because, you know, when you get concentrating on something and you forget about a meal, and, and you just skip it because you're so involved in something 40 days, a little bit long to forget to eat. So there, there must've been something about what you're talking about is this, this partnership with God and this relationship with God in fasting. But I just wanted to lay that out there before you, any comments on that? I love it. I love that particular, both of those, um, whether you're talking about Moses, where you're talking about the engagement with, with Jesus, uh, John's disciples, Jesus' disciples, um, you know, Pharisees, Sadducees, all those type of conflicts that Jesus found himself in. Um, totally agree. Uh, there is that partnership that uh, I think each individual, when we look at fasting, uh, had with him. 
uh, my favorite Old Testament is Esther. And uh, so when, you know, Esther and Mordecai and, and Haman and, you know, they were all in this total problem and they were going to actually end up being killed. And so Esther had to make a hard, hard decision. Mordecai said, look, I believe God is going to actually right, provide for us. He's going to keep the nation of Israel alive. The question becomes, are you going to be a part of that? And so she has this immense decision because as we well know, given the culture, if she went before the king, he could just have her killed, boom, heads off, right? She's gone because you had to be requested to see the king in that day and time in that culture. So she was willing to put her life on the line, but before she did that, she went into a season of fasting with her, with her maidens and called uh, Mordecai, which I believe was her uncle, right, uh, into that with other Jews as well. Definitely one of my favorites. And the reason I bring this up is I think fasting, I go into most fasts with more objectives in mind than I do. I'm just doing it to be doing it, or it's just a personal discipline. Now, this year, I'm getting back into it being a more personal discipline. So uh, I'm doing the first three days of every month, except this month, I switched it, and I'm doing the last five days this month. So that's coming so up, I'm, and as, as this podcast uh, airs, as uh, this fresh faith uh, appears in the community, we can be praying for you because you'll be just getting ready to go into it in a few days. Absolutely. Last five days, of February. And uh, so you were saying that uh, it's a discipline as well as at times you have objectives in your fasting. Yes. Uh, you know, I wrote down uh, some simple objectives uh, at this point for this one. Personal holiness. Uh, the Lord spoke to me about this last fall. There was a lot of things going on in my life, still are. But you know, he said, the only thing that I really want from you is two things, personal holiness and intimacy with me. Now, I didn't hear an audible voice. So, you know, there wasn't anything like that. But speaking to my heart, personal holiness, intimacy with Jesus as I go into this fast, I want to love my family well. Uh, so married guy, same lady, 42 years, two adult kids, three grandkids and our daughter and her husband are expecting their first or fourth grandchild. So attempting to love them well, um, which is not an easy task. You would think, okay, well, after this many years of being a parent, it's easy to love them well. Well, no, if you have adult children, you understand that that's not always easy. Trying to figure out how to love them well. I almost always start those, whether there's one objective or two, just with personal holiness. Um, before I ask something from God, I'm trying to give him something or get that relationship more intimate. Um, I've read from a number of guys, uh, one guy that I've followed for some time, he's deceased now. And, uh, you know, he uh, had a college, he was asking God for X million dollars, et cetera. And he went up on this particular mountain, went away for 40 days and the Lord spoke to him and said, Hey man, I don't care about you need two or $3 million. What I care about is I want you to love me. And um, he wrote this in his biography. So you read guys like that who've gone through these items. And for me, 
fasting first and foremost is about my intimacy with Christ. Let's make that connection between prayer and fasting. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that connection and, and maybe about your typical fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you touch on both of those? Sure. Uh, for me, the prayer component is, is pretty simple. The body's going to tell me multiple times a day. What I attempt to do is take at that point time to go away and claim the promises of Christ through prayer. So whether you alluded to his 40 days in the wilderness and the passages he quoted from the Old Testament, whether you take this, whether you take other uh, New Testament or Old Testament passages like we've discussed, I attempt to pray through those. So prayer links with fasting when my body tells me you need to eat. For me, that's the largest component that I have with prayer and fasting. So do you um, just stop where you are or how does that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I pretty much stop my work day, you know, as as long as I'm not in, you know, a significant obligation, some type of meeting. Like like a podcast interview with me. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, John, I got to go now. (laughs) Yeah. Pray a little bit. Just, just play some music. John, put your, put your hand through the screen there and and, and pray for me. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I just take a few minutes and get away. There's more coming up with Tim Epling and we'll get back to him and my interview. But, uh, as we take a pause here and reflect a little bit on what you've heard so far and maybe how God might be speaking to you, can I encourage you to take a mental note or if you can even take a written note on what the Lord is speaking to you about? Uh, I sometimes what I do because I don't have any paper around is I just send myself an email or I text myself maybe a few words to remind you. Yeah, this is what you're talking to me about in this whole area of a prayer and fasting. So would you go ahead and do that before we dive into the second half of the interview? And I do want to remind you that the 21 day fresh faith experience is an excellent tool that you can use to jumpstart your quiet time and help you maybe go in further in this prayer and fasting thing. Uh, You can get it as a free download, so you get it immediately. You can use it right away at freshfaith247.com and click on 21 Day or click the link in the show notes. Let's go on with Tim Epling. What has fasting done for your relationship with God? It's causing me to depend on him at a different level. Um, I'm sort of, you mentioned earlier, an entrepreneur, I've only done vocational ministry for 10 years. So area supervisor for food line, regional supervisor for Bilo and real estate and development company in Pinehurst. So you, if, if you have a few successes, it might've been decent, not huge, but a few, you feel like you're a self-made man. You feel like you can do whatever you need to do. And this creates a humility in my life that I am dependent on him to move through this time of fasting instead of it just being a personal discipline. Oh, I got to gut this out. Uh, Now I've done that before, um, but it usually doesn't work as well for me. Hmm. You know, he wants more to be a part of my heart through this process. Uh, Those who are listening now, they're at different places. Some have never fasted. Some have tried it. Others do it on a regular basis. Uh, What was your journey like? Uh, it's, but I would say it's been on and off, uh, John, 
so very, very early in, in my Christian walk, I would say my college years, it was somewhat prevalent. Uh, I would say it probably went away for 10 to 15 years. Uh, around 299 or 2000, when I began seeking God about, do I do ministry vocationally? Do I leave the public sector like I was in? It, I began to reintroduce it into my life on a much more frequent basis. Uh, Ten years ago, when we started the first church in Fuquay, Verena, uh, it became pretty much a norm for me. Uh, COVID was a rough entry point. Uh, I lost discipline with it, honestly, uh, and have only picked it up uh, again, I would say, the last five or six months as far as it being something that I'm committed to on a monthly basis. I'm glad you referred to that because you're real, you're, you're human. Um, and those who are listening can relate to that. Uh, it's just not always smooth, not to keep a scorecard, but just get people an idea of your experience. Uh, how often do you fast? How long are your fasts? Uh, well, let's start in the, in the new year. So, uh, every January, I, Uh, fast about the first five days of the week. And when I say fast the first five days of the week, I mean, I only drink water. Uh, So uh, then I pick up from that the rest of the month of January, I eliminate uh, simple sugar, simple carbs. Uh, So, uh, you know, trying to clean my body out, my mind out, uh, trying to start the new year, you know, with as good as I can, uh, spiritual disciplines, which clean out, you know, my mind and body and my soul. Hmm. After that, uh, will probably be the first three days of the month, or if the Lord, you know, puts something heavy, uh, on us, you know, like I shared with you, John, you know, my, uh, mother-in-law is very sick. She has cancer. Um, you know, at, at some point that's probably going to, uh, become more difficult for our family. Uh, which may require me to, you know, cry out to the Lord and and take a longer fast. So you're finding um, that fasting has a spiritual, emotional, and physical effect on you. Absolutely. It helps my physical body. Uh, for me, I think, you know, if, if uh, here's, here's the way I say it. Um, I did this, uh, I did a sermon, <clears throat> sermon talking about fasting. Because I'm asking them to fast every Thursday. Now, the type of fast I'm asking of them is more a traditional Jewish fast. Uh, from so I'm asking them to do that. And the phrase that I spun in this: if you can't say no to food, you can't say no to sin. So if I can't depend on Jesus to say no to food for a day, now please understand, I'm not a medical physician. I'm not a medical doctor. I recommend highly if you've never fasted or this isn't a part of your right spiritual routine or weekly or monthly routine that you get a physician's okay. All right. So let's get that out of the way. want to make sure, right. No, no one misunderstands me, but having said that, I believe that if I can't say no to food, then I can't say no to sin. Hmm. But if I can say no to food and I can rely on God's spirit right? Using his word and, and everyone else, all my friends, accountability partners, I can say no to not only food, but sin. Mm. What do you struggle with in your times of fasting? 
Uh, I'd say, you know, the first couple of days, it, it, there are definitely hunger pains. Uh, then there's, okay, why am I doing this again? Then there's the, will I get anything from it? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm human, John. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like, okay, am I just going through the motions? You know, I, I assume that your listeners are, are just like me that, you know, they struggle with sin, they struggle with doubt or, or inhibitions, et cetera. So I'm like, well, I'm doing this, but am I going to get anything from it? Please notice the way I said that, the word I, numerous times. But it's not about, you know, it's not about me, even though I have to participate. It's more about what Jesus is attempting to do in me than through me as a result of that. How do you get back on track then? Wow. Um, We throw around this word faith or trust, but I I, I believe there's something more to the Christian life than just going through a series of events that we do. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should read our Bibles. Yes, we should go to a local assembly. Yes, we should do all these things. There's boxes. There's nothing wrong with checking those boxes. But I believe that God has control of the circumstances of life, and I have a choice of whether or not I lean into them or I do not, whether I accept those circumstances or something he's trying to do in me, not because I'm good, not because I'm bad, but he's trying to do something in me. And that fasting helps me get to that point of accepting those things. How do you avoid getting caught in uh, the whole performance versus relationship? Wow. When it comes to fasting, you know, that, that Pharisee mindset. Um, that's a toughie. Uh, Cause when I first really got into this, it was about, I need to do it. 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 You know, that was in 1999 or 2000. Um, but I quickly, the Lord quickly spoke to me that, you know, I'm, I'm only checking a box and it's not relational. So when I feel like, and I sense, okay, this is a, I'm checking a box off versus deepening my relationship with Jesus. It's very evident to me, you know, now I have to be a student enough to actually ask that question or make that observation, but it's painfully evident when I'm just doing it, you know, let's say, let's say we start a conversation and I talk about it. Um, cause I only talk about fasting to, you know, people that either I think I can, some of the leaders I'm involved with at church accountability partners, you know, in other words, you won't go on social media and see me posting about my fast, right? You won't hear me talking about it in staff meeting. Um, but I did ask you about the five day fast. So now everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not ordinary. (laughs) I do think, I do think it is good to share. I do think it's good to share. Uh, But also, you know, I I need to share the part, you know, the failures, the difficulties, the, well, what if I mess it up? You know, do I feel God's disappointed or doesn't love me or doesn't like me? You know, I've had those mental battles. Well, yeah. So that's questions people are asking. How do you handle that? I don't think Jesus's love for me is ever dependent on my performance. If so, I would never need him. I just wouldn't. Um, well, I, I can relate to that. I'm a performance guy. I'm I'm trying to get out of this performance-based Christianity as well. And uh, so as you uh, deal with this, I guess it's something that 
is instantly, it doesn't just instantly go away, but no. you're having to go back and what remind yourself of your security in Christ, your relationship with Christ, the fact that you're not performing for Jesus, walking in his love. Am I putting words in your mouth or? Uh, uh, no, not at all. Uh, for me, an anchor passage is uh, Philippians 4, Philippians 4, um, really the entire chapter, but eight and nine. Uh, Paul gives you uh, eight ways to think. So there's eight ways to think in Philippians 4, 8. Then he says, do or practice those things. And then the third thing he said, and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm. So if I think right and I do right, my feelings will follow. The problem that I've always had all my life, and I think most humans do, is that we respond or react to feelings first, and we think they should dictate our actions, which feelings should, according to Paul, and according to actually, you know, um, uh, modern psychology, they're going to be the last thing to catch up with you. That that verse uh, passage you're referring to, Philippians 4, uh, 8 and 9, I'm going to read that here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah. it's It's been an anchor for me now for almost two and a half decades. Hmm. Tremendous. I'm going to ask you to put your pastor hat on again. And so teach us like you, you taught the congregation a few weeks ago. Uh, how would you recommend that our listeners get started into fasting? I would say pick one meal one day a week. And during that time frame, talk to God about that, which you want him to do in your heart, or you may not even know. It's like, I don't know what I want him to do in my heart. Then ask him to give you a open heart and a learner's spirit. So an open heart and a learner's spirit during that time. So you may choose lunch on Thursdays, let's say. Okay. Uh, for those that may be a little more ambitious, you could go for an entire day. You could do from daylight till dark. Okay. Just don't overeat on either of those because your body will react negatively to it. Uh, when you're doing those type of fasts, the best thing to do is have a lot of water with you. Water will both help you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically in every way. The more water that you drink during the fast, the better you're going to feel and be. Okay. I would start there. I would start simply. For those that are a little adverse to food at this point, what is the thing that you do every day, maybe multiple times a day, that would be hard for you to give up? Some you mean you like uh, checking your email or going checking your social media or? Yep. <laughs> we know where you're going with this, Tim. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What are you binge watching? Uh, and how many times you pick up your phone or your laptop or your computer, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and just shut it off. I literally have done this, you know, I'll do 30 day media fast. And I, when I say media fast, I mean, it's all gone except for what I have to do with work. That's it. Uh, give up something that means something to, if it doesn't mean anything to you, you've not given anything up. What can our listeners expect as a result of fasting in their lives? Uh, on the front end, it'll be hard. And you'll ask yourself why you're doing it. Okay. 
So just be ready for that. Um, Number two, the good thing is intimacy with Jesus. Tim, God bless you. And uh, I appreciate your openness and sharing your journey of fasting with us. John, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, man. Best wishes uh, to you and all your listeners. Okay. Great conversation with Tim. And (laughs) I think that uh, most of us are ready to start a fast and we've been thinking about it, how we're going to go about doing it and uh, how it can make a difference in our our walk with God. I'm so glad that Tim was able to share from his personal experience and some of the things he went through to get to where he is today and building that habit into his life. And as you listen to this episode, he's starting that five-day fast that he talked about. Maybe you want to join him in that, or at least pray for him as he goes through that. By the way, the full video interview with Tim, I did this in in video with him, is Inside Fresh Faith 24-7. We have a benefit in there called Monthly Mentor Training. Each month, I bring leaders and experts in to go deeper into topics in our relationship with Christ, help us grow closer to Jesus. And Tim goes into more depth on how to build uh, prayer and fasting into your walk with God. He goes into more depth on that. This was a portion of that in this podcast episode, but that's inside Fresh Faith 24-7, and that's at freshfaith247.com. As I said at the beginning of the show, uh, I have someone who has some pointers. He's a golfer, and he uses golf to help him follow Christ. (laughs) He does, and he he sent this note to me. I encourage you to send any notes on your walk with the Lord, any advice you have for our listeners, any comments on the podcast, things you're hearing. You can send it to me at john at freshfaith247.com or at John Fugler. You can tweet me, but, but Jim emailed me, and he said this. I think this is brilliant. Ready? He says, when I play a round of golf, which is 18 holes, I challenge myself. On the first hole, I think about the first commandment. On the second hole, I think about the second commandment. By the 10th hole, I finish the 10 commandments. On the 11th, I think about the first beatitude. There are 10 commandments and eight beatitudes, one for each hole of golf. Jim, I've shared this with some of my golfing friends and they were they, they loved it. They were charged with it. So if you're a golfer, you're going to like this. And Jim, thank you for sharing that with us and with our listeners. I thought that was great. Uh, if you've got something to share with us, with our listeners, if you have a question, you can just write to me at john at freshfaith247.com. I got a link in the show notes to my email address, or you can tweet me at John Fugler. Fresh Faith 24-7 is all about helping you live in freedom in your relationship with Jesus. And I hope that today on this episode, it has moved you in that direction. You'll find out more about that as you dive into your 21-day Fresh Faith Experience devotional. As we close, I would just encourage you to go ahead and download it now if you haven't already. And maybe you've downloaded it, but you haven't started using it. I do that a lot. I mean, I I download something or I buy something on Amazon to read and I, I never read it. And I think, Wow, my life hasn't changed. Why not? Well, you're not using that. You're not reading that. But make sure you use the 21-Day Fresh Faith Experience. Get it at freshfaith247.com. Click on 21-Day in the menu, or you can click on the link in the show notes. Well, that's it for today. We covered favorite foods all the way to fasting and forgiveness in between all that. 
And I hope it's been a a powerful experience for you. And we're going to be back here again next Wednesday. So God bless you. We'll talk to you then.